the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. So this Debbie Wasserman Schultz thing this is just getting ridiculous. You have, um, you have absolutely, wa- you have absolutely, absolutely no business reading that. Put that down. All right. Hold it up against your chest so we can see there's the Patents Do Show. Welcome, welcome to the Patents Do Show. You right. got no business reading this. Whatever's on those sheets, unimportant. Well, but, is, but Debbie Wasserman first Schultz- and foremost, mm. atomic plot. I need a review. Well, but I mean, You've been I, teasing us for <laughs> days now, day and a half. Oh, Haven't yeah. seen a review of Atomic Blonde. It's number two, you've got your little piece that was published in the New York Times this weekend. <laughs> but walk us through, Stu. Put but the, but put this is, down. I mean, this, the, the, the first line is there's more than bank fraud going on here. I mean, isn't this an important... We all know that. And, and we don't care. <laughs> we don't care. Well, in comparison I, to... Atomic Blonde. Thank I, you. I, I think we gotta, We have to put it into perspective. <laughs> That's true. We do care. Right? We just care less than we care yeah, about of course. the Atomic Blonde review. Of course. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I mean, do you want to talk about that? Or on, Charlize now. Theron. Come on. That's not, now, that, just so you know, that's not Charlize Theron. <laughs> that is not. Nobody mistook her for Charlize in Theron. In fact, no, if no Charlize one. Theron ever plays Debbie Wasserman Schultz, she'll win an Academy Award. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that looks that's a lot like uh, the woman she played in Monster. Yes, it does. <laughs> uh, that particular photo, I would How say. How dare you say that you about mean? a beautiful, democratic woman, <laughs> a powerful individual woman who is strong no, I mean, and and important and then you demean her i'm not demeaning her charlie i'm saying she looks like charlie's theron no you're saying she looks like the monster charlie's theron portrayed right, yeah. right as charlie she's that person she's still <laughs> charlie's theron with different makeup can we get a side by side of of no this kidding. picture of debbie wasserman schultz and uh, the female serial killer. Eileen uh, Warnos. Uh, what is it? Eileen, Eileen Warnos. Warnos, that's yeah. right. Yes. Was that uh, a true story? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. wow. It's a, it's a good movie. I mean, it's dark, but it's a good movie. And she is really good in that one. Mm. Um, but yeah, can we get a side of, of Charlize Theron as Eileen Warnos 
and Debbie Wasserman Schultz next to each other uh, when we get it. Uh, I, I know it's going to take a few minutes, but I think it's worth it. It's a worthwhile. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think moments. it's a must at this point. Probably by the time you're done with your review, uh, okay. uh, we may have that up. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Are we ready to go? Yeah. Okay, so I went uh, Sunday, Saturday night uh, to see uh, Atomic Blonde. Um, it was, um, well, let me give you, let me, let me give you this oh, nugget boy. to start off. Okay? Let me give you this to start off. Who had the first line? In Atomic Blonde, uh, I John haven't Good- seen it yet, so I don't. John, Good- good I guess, know. good guess. He's in the movie. John Goodman, Charlize, Charlize. Uh, a great guess, mm-hmm. not accurate. Neither one. All right. The giant James McAvoy, another uh, right. guess you might guess. No, first line in Atomic Blonde. Kid you not, Ronald Reagan. Oh, that's right. They start with the stupid bring the wall down speech. I did remember hearing you did that. See that? Right? No, so, I saw the a review. Of so that. this yeah. is the thing, and I had no idea. I watched this trailer right. 150 times. No idea. The movie is set right in the late 80s yes. uh, as the wall is being torn down in between East and West Germany. So it's East and West Berlin. The whole movie takes place so for it's 10 not, days. it's not present day? No, it's no, not present day. No, oh, I didn't know that. Isn't that yeah, amazing? I did, I did. We watched the trailer a thousand times. Yeah, I had didn't no know idea. The entire movie takes place with a backdrop of this gigantic historical co- uh, conversion in history. Wow. Um, with the wall coming down. It's, it takes place in the 10 days before the wall comes down. Mm-hmm. And that you know in the first 10 seconds, so I'm not ruining uh, anything. Yeah. Uh, and it's in some of the reviews. I remember reading yeah, the Reagan it, stuff. It's yeah. a very general plot point. And, I, and unlike Glenn, I will not ruin the movie for you. Um, uh, so I will say uh, it was... You won't ruin the movie for us. Let's hear it. I'm not going to tell you about the details of it, but I'm going to give you general themes because I, I, of course, want people to go view this fantastic film. Um, okay, it, then... was, uh, it, it was more, it was more uh, plot-driven than I expected. <laughs> Is mm. that a thing you can say as a, as a, mm-hmm. a, in a movie review? It was more... Because I kind of got the sense of watching the trailer that it was going to be Charlize Theron kicking the crap out of everybody for uh, 122 minutes or so, uh, with maybe occasional uh, breaking up of John Goodman speaking mm-hmm. uh, and Charlize Theron having sex with people. That mm-hmm. was kind of my impression of what I was Which about to say. Which is still a pretty good Which movie. Which is a great formula for a film. <laughs> that's, what's honest, that's a great formula. Um, and, okay, here, here we go. Now look at this. Look at this. I mean, there's... Come now, on Charlize now. still looks better. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt, but I mean, she I mean, if you easily put, play if you put some glasses on her, maybe yeah, can, like, can that's we, a good comparison. Can we Photoshop some glasses on her? Uh, yeah. is that am I asking too much? Let's try to do it. Let's try because I think you're right. I think we get there. Mm-hmm. With, and the and the hair needs to be a little curlier. She's kind of yeah. wavy hair. Yeah, there. yeah. Uh, but there's something there. Um, so it was a, like it was a little. It's a real spy movie. So it is not like um, it's not intentionally trying to be over the top aware of, uh, hey, here's a, a ridiculous action movie. It's not, uh, you know, there's like, you know, you look at some of those movies like, uh, they're, they're, they get almost get a little tongue in cheek, you know, like a Jason Statham movie or something mm-hmm. where you know, like, they're kind of saying like, he's going to kick the crap out of a bunch of people. We're not really trying to give you a plot here. They did really try to give you a plot here. Um, and it had some real twists and turns that you did not expect um, that, were, that were there. Um, there are... If I were going to bring any criticism to the table, or a couple things to note, um, having it didn't help the experience of the movie 
to have watched the trailer 50,000 times. <laughs> it didn't it, help? It did not help. Really? Because it was like, I, I, they'd walk into certain rooms. I'm like, oh, that's where this happens. Like, that is like legitimately how I saw it. As soon as they walk into a certain hallway, I'd be like, oh, that's where the hallway fight scene happens. Or, yeah. like, it was like I was able to, like, see these things before they happen. Not even trying to, but just having seen the trailer so many times, it kind of ruined any surprises that mm-hmm. were coming up. However, some of the scenes are incredible. The, it, it, when you remember from the trailer, a scene that they do have in like a stairwell uh, where he's, she's fighting uh, several yeah. different people. That scene is like eight minutes long without a cut. Wow. Uh, it's something. And now wow. there are like, you know how they do that in the movies when they say there's no cuts. And then occasionally you'll see like you have a real close up of someone's back and you can tell they kind of did cut there. Mm-hmm. But it's maybe three or four cuts and then in like eight straight minutes of just like brutalizing each other. It was really mm-hmm. uh, intense and really well done there. Um, and overall, really intense and really well done. The one interesting part about this that I think would interest Jeffy maybe more than anything else is I kind of, it, it was not a sex driven movie at all. Like it was, there were a, a couple of moments you might uh, you might mm-hmm. you might have enjoyed Jeffy. Um, however, most she's, of them are in the trailer. Like, she's again. naked then. Right. What's that? She's naked. Man, I don't, I don't know. She's why. naked. Is that is that what you're saying? There's a you're alluding subtle, to the fact that subtle. There's a subtle, uh, a subtle uh, showing of of. It's not a lot. I will say it's not a lot. I will say yeah, you could watch that movie if you went to your what's your website again? Uh, uh, the editing. Um, oh, uh, VidAngel. VidAngel. If you went to VidAngel, pulled it wouldn't that movie take out, out that much. And took out the nudity. Yeah. You'd see almost the entire movie. Oh wow! Like there's That's not great. a lot of it in there. And even yeah. if you took out the sexual themes, you'd see almost all the movie. It's it, you know there's a lot of violence. So if you took you out wouldn't the violence, get the you would not see the true meaning a lot. behind the film. No, if you well, did that, of course Pat, but. not. Of course not. Um, but uh, it was, you'd get most of it. Uh, overall, like, it was not a, um, it was, it, it actually at times, because of the trailer to me, almost felt slow towards the beginning, mm. um, you know, because there was a lot of, like, real actual plot development, which I was not necessarily <laughs> expecting from the movie. Uh, but yeah, overall. the movie is nonstop action. Just the trailer, yeah. Her beating it, the crap out of men. Yeah. For the most part. Yes. And, and those scenes are all in there, and they're all great. I mean, they all, they do live up to the hype um, uh, as far as that goes. Uh, but it was, uh, it overall, it was really good. I, and, I and did listen, enjoy it quite a bit. we should be expecting some sort of, uh, some sort of thank you uh, from the Atomic Blonde people. I mean, we, uh, we pushed it to being fourth. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. That's a pretty good debut. <laughs> for, for that type of, for Yeah, for an R-rated uh, action movie, that's pretty, that's, I'm sure that's pretty good for them. Dunkirk's we- still number one. Yep. Um, the Emoji Movie, which... Lots well, kids, though. Yeah. Any kids' movies. Girls maybe. Trip, and then Atomic Blonde. Yeah, you know what, you would probably hope you, you... I don't know, did Girls Trip come out this weekend, or is it last week? Uh, uh, yes. Okay. No, no, it didn't. It yeah, came it out didn't. last I thought it was last. So you hope to maybe beat oh, out yeah. that. But, I mean, what was the budget on Atomic Blonde? It couldn't 30 have million. 30 million. They're going to make a fortune. It's already that. at 18, yeah. so that's, that's great. Um, They're going to make some money. Yeah. Oh, worldwide? Oh my gosh! And so, we know? first of all, we're set. Why don't you look up the world box? I didn't we're set it may up not in, be a, open. in a big way. No, it is not. Okay. Okay. We're set up bigly for uh, for sequel stuff. Really? I mean, there's definitely sequel oh, yeah? possibilities. Okay. Also, we are set up, and it was cool because it's set against this backdrop of history. Think yeah. how much time we I, can. I mean, we got plenty of years to do sequels. Oh, yeah. after this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like all these other events that happened in the yeah. early '90s would be like. I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of a cool idea to have. It was not about 
the overthrow per se of of the uh, of the you know the bringing down the wall and the overthrow of the government. It, but it was it was with that backdrop and had themes of that throughout. So it was pretty interesting and uh, you know an interesting formula. And you got to think that if this one does do well and they make as much money as it looks like they're going to, and then you know you get more money to spend next time. You know, I, I was uh, it was it, it was definitely a different experience than I thought, but it was it was pretty good. And my wife liked it. Do you oh, believe good. that? Wow. Oh, wow. I got to say, this wow. is one, one funny part. There is a uh, scene that is in the trailer mm-hmm. uh, that is uh, you know on the on the explicit side, uh, the not Pat Gray friendly mm-hmm. side, uh, in which she uh, taping herself. No, not that one. Oh. She uh, has a romantic interlude oh, yeah. with uh, another um, character in the film, shall we say. Uh, I swear to you, from beginning to end, I don't know, it's two and a half minutes, something like that. Uh, the exact two and a half minutes my wife went to the bathroom. She legitimately <laughs> walked out of the theater right as that scene was starting. It's like two and a half minutes, and then she comes back and sits in the chair right at the end. It was like as if that movie did not contain the scene to her. I swear she missed the entire thing. It was like it was almost like Vid Angel told her to go to the bathroom at that time. <laughs> That's you great. Think that she would be unhappy with that scene. I don't. No, I don't. I mean, I don't think she'd care. But uh, it, it was. It was a. You know, you kind of go it's into funny. one of those movies and you're like, eh. I mean, it's you know, kind of pathetic that I'm telling. I'm taking. You know, I'm telling my wife I want to go see this movie, and she's going to think the only reason I wanted to go see the movie was it's that for that scene, not yeah. her, because yeah. uh, she, she didn't, she see, didn't it. see it. So That's great. So, so overall, you'd give it a. Out of, on a scale of one to eighteen, yeah, uh, I'd give it a, I'd give it a solid. Going back and forth, Jeffy style, you know, I'll give it a solid sixteen. Okay, <laughs> that was very good. Uh, I was going that, 15, that's 16. That's not greatest movie of all it's time. It's not territory. greatest movie of all time, Tatter. As I said, if it's not the greatest movie high. of all time, uh-huh. I will be incredibly disappointed. And I was so by that standard, I was disappointed. It was not the greatest movie of all time, but it was very well done, very good, very entertaining. But like you know, I'll give you you know, I'll, man, maybe I'll tell you off there. There's a couple scenes in there that I want to tell you about. I know you won't see it, at least yeah. until it's on VidAngel, which, again, <laughs> it be a while. if you take out the violence and the sex, it's a four-minute movie. <laughs> uh, no, it's actually not. There's a lot of talking in it. Take out the violence yeah. and the sex, you get Ronald Reagan at the end. <laughs> Tear mm-hmm. down this wall, starring Charlize Theron. It's over. <laughs> Credits are rolling. <laughs> so, uh, we do have other news uh, today, including the Debbie Wasserman Schultz uh, news about uh, what actually happened there. Andrew McCarthy in, in National Review makes a real case that this is not this is not going to end well for Democrats. Uh, this is mm. going to blow up into something much bigger. We'll give you the details on that uh, coming up, uh, as well as we have spoons today, um, some coffee cakes or something, which I'm excited about. Mm. I like food, as you can tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll be doing that mm. uh, coming up in a little bit. Okay, what an interesting story from uh, the Debbie Wasserman Schultz uh, camp here. And nobody's really, other than us, I don't know that anybody has talked about this. Very little, anyway. Uh, Somebody devoted like 37, I think it was CBS News, 37 seconds to the story. I did see Jake Tapper do a segment on it. Um, A whole decent... Yeah, it was a good yeah. segment. It wasn't like the whole show or anything. There was. It's hard to do the whole show on anything that's not Donald Trump when, uh, yeah. you know, I, I was. I mentioned this uh, the other day. Of like uh, when the healthcare thing happened, it was the fourth story that day. Fourth. Mm. I mean, uh, that's a dream for uh, conservative uh, Congress, which we do not have apparently. Um, 
But yeah, the Debbie Wasserman Schultz, it's getting a little bit of play. Obviously not as much as it probably should. Mm-hmm. Uh, so bank fraud is what Imran Awan was, uh, co- was charged with, um, stated charge when he was arrested at Dulles Airport this week, just as he was trying to flee the United States for Pakistan. That is the same route taken by his wife in March when she suddenly fled the country with three young daughters she yanked out of school, mega luggage, and $12,400 in cash. This is from uh, Andy McCarthy. Uh, by then, proceeds of the fraudulent $165,000 loan they'd gotten uh, at the credit union had been sent ahead. It was part of a $283,000 transfer that Awan managed to wire from Capitol Hill. He pulled it off hilariously, if infuriatingly, by pretending to be his wife in a phone call with the credit union. <laughs> that part I had not heard. Um, told that his, uh, his reason for the transfer was funeral arrangements wouldn't fly. Mrs. Mrs. Iwan um, promptly repurposed. Now she was buying property. Asking no more questions, the credit union wired the money to Pakistan. Awesome. awesome. Mm. Um, so they go, he, uh, McCarthy goes into this really interesting uh, telling of the story in which, uh, so the congressional staff salary is typically about $40,000. For some reason, Awan was paid four times as much he also was able to get his wife, Alvi, on the house payroll, then his brother, Abid Awan, then Abid's wife, Natalia Sova. The youngest of the clan, Awan's brother, Jamal, came on board in 2014. The then 20-year-old commanded an annual salary of $160,000. Wow. Are these all on Wasserman's uh, staff? Uh, I think it's, it's not just uh, Wasserman's staff. It's also she did some stuff for the, for, uh, the Democrats and as well as um, Gregory Meeks is where he came from initially. He's a guy in New York. Um, a few of these arrangements. Um, uh, actually, let's see. Uh, here we go. Um, Daily Caller, who has been uh, talking about this quite a bit, uh, uh, reports that the further IT work, the Pakistani family has reeled in four million dollars since 2009. Four million dollars. That's just the legit wow. dough. However, the family business mm. evidently dabbles in procurement fraud as well. The Capitol Police and FBI oh. are exploring widespread double billing for computers, other communication devices and related equipment. Why were they paid so much for doing so little? As tricky as that is, it's a side issue. More pressing concern is why were they giving access to highly sensitive government information? Ordinarily, that requires a security clearance awarded only after a background check that peruses ties to foreign countries associated with other unsavory characters and vulnerability to blackmail. Mm. These characters could not possibly have qualified. Never mind access, it's hard to fathom how they retain their jobs. The Daily Caller has discovered that the family, which controlled several properties, was involved in various suspicious mortgage transfers. Uh, Abidawan, while working full-time in Congress, um, ran a curious auto retail business called Cars International A, abbreviated CIA, <laughs> through which he was accused of stealing money and merchandise. In 2012, he discharged debts in bankruptcy while scheming to keep his real estate holdings. Congressional Mm. Democrats hired Abid despite his drunk driving conviction a month before he started at the House, and they retained him despite his public drunkenness arrest a month later. Beyond that, he and Imran both committed sundry vehicular offenses. In civil lawsuits, they are accused of life insurance fraud. And on and on and on and on. I mean, it goes on and on and on of this litany of uh, things that made them suspicious people to be handing over $4 million of your money to. Um, and for whatever reason, it doesn't seem like a big deal to most of the media. Mm-hmm. Now, we can obviously sit here and say, okay, well, you know, the, the, the media doesn't like uh, the right. They love the left, so they're going to embrace this. And I think I'm sure that's part of it. I mean, especially when you come to the, the more le- ideologically left things uh, on the table, the more you're going to hear that. 
this is a pretty big one. This is a woman who's the, you know, uh, the head of the DNC. She was one of the most powerful congresswomen in, in politics. She just got ousted. She's uh, now on a real down trajectory. Um, and she kept him employed all the way until, what was it, two days ago? And she finally fired him, I think, Friday or Saturday? Yeah, it's pretty it was, recent. Yeah, I mean, it was Very after all this news broke, for sure. I it's, mean, am- it's amazing. Uh, and, uh, and again, there seems to be not much interest in this story. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, it is kind of complicated. And, and nobody knows who the guy is. Uh, but we should know who he is. And we should be talking about it. And especially when, for some reason, his whole family has been employed on our dime to the tune of $4 million over the last couple of years. That's uh, that's outrageous. And they're not doing anything good, apparently. (laughs) Apparently, there's a lot of fraud going on. Is that a problem? Well, sometimes. Okay, okay. I just want to make sure I clarify. You weren't It doesn't have to be. But sometimes it can be. So that's an issue? Yeah. Is what it, you're saying? It okay. may be. I got it. Yeah. Um, is Steve Bannon going to be the next one to go? Because uh, Ryan's previous yeah, is Yeah, probably. You think? I yeah, don't know. I think so. It's interesting. He's certainly I losing think, his power base. Of course, we've talked about that before. Yeah. Bannon's a survivor, too. He's... He, he lost his power base before, then gained it back. He was apparently on his way out a while ago, and, and Trump wasn't listening to him. Then all of a sudden, apparently he was again. And so I don't know. Who knows with this? Uh, administration. Yeah, they said um, it was kind of an interesting thing to, to go through. It looked like uh, one of the things that came out of this was Priebus tried to get Trump to quit when the Access Hollywood tape came out. Try to get him to drop out of the race. And that was one of the lingering mm. problems between them is that Trump never forgave him for coming and really? asking him to, to drop out of the race at that time. Um, so he never really got over it, which of course he never gets over anything. Right. You know, I mean, uh, that's not his way. Did you see, was it, is that the book that you're reading that the story I read about, uh, Chris Christie, how, what, how Trump, uh, became to hate him? Yeah. The, the story I just told about Reince was not in that book, but but the Chris Christie one was. About the cell phone? Mm -hmm. Yep. Cell phone. uh, The night of, the night of, uh, the election Mm -hmm. when they were waiting for the results and apparently Chris Christie had it all planned out that, uh, they would call his phone, and uh, that Hillary would call his phone, and that he would hand the phone to uh, to Donald, and it would be this whole big thing, and he would be involved in the whole thing. And uh, he mentioned it that night while they were waiting for these results, and Donald was like, "Why would I want your disgusting cell phone up against my face?" Yeah, it was. It, it was. It was, uh, <laughs> it was waiting it was, for Obama. It was Obama. That's call. the only difference. Or Obama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's pretty much what it was. And yeah, that's basically that, and the fact that he crowded him later on yeah. in the day kind of smothered him. He was like out because of that. And <laughs> I mean, it's really incredible how these things happen. They play on these dumb little mm-hmm. little tiffs between these people. Uh, what Bannon, about Sessions, though, instead of Bannon? Yes, Sessions could go, too. I mean, there, someone was, uh, one of the articles I read uh, this weekend was pointing out that who do you get to replace Sessions? Sessions is a tough one to because sure you don't have a lot of people in that community that like your policies and are willing to work for you. Like, that's a weird combination. Sessions is a mm-hmm. tough, tough one um, to, to really replicate. Judge Janine? Yeah, someone, and that was the one I think I saw. <laughs> is that, is that I, did not, I did not see that, but that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I think, I think Wall Street, the Wall Street Journal or something. Who they get? <laughs> Hasn't <Judge> Tucker Carlson <laughs> done enough to be appointed attorney general? <laughs> Hasn't he kissed enough Trump butt to be uh, put right in there? Well, Judge Janine, <laughs> and this, uh, 
Judge Janine is. She uh, certainly has. She man. is hard. Yes, core. she is. Now, well, if I'm, both if, of them are. But well, Tucker at least will occasionally say words of criticism. Yeah, like, he Tucker was critical tries. of the Sessions. Yeah, he didn't thing. like the uh, um, yeah the Jeff Sessions stuff. He's, but I mean, Judge Janine is 100 percent on the train. And I, if, I, if memory <laughs> yes. serves me, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but her husband is like one of Trump's lawyers or. Or like oh. is re- it works Ooh, with one of her lawyers. There's some really close connection going back years and years and years between Judge Janine and Trump. <laughs> I mean, Judge Janine is, I mean, is straight out like legitimately could walk into the White House tomorrow Absolutely. because she is as hardcore, if not, she might be more pro-Trump than Trump. She's <laughs> certainly more pro-Trump than like Ivanka. I mean, like, you know, they disagree on things. I don't think Judge Janine could possibly, I don't think there's anything that they disagree on. I mean, she is one of the most fervent defenders. Every time I hear her speak, it is hardcore defense of whatever Trump has done. Um, which, you know, whatever. I mean, that's certainly an it's industry pathetic, there. Though. I'm not saying there's it's, not. but it's I, I think there's a long-time business relationship going on there. Uh, I don't know. We'll, right. we'll have to look into that. Um, uh, I, I like this. I, I love this uh, Trumpism that he, he, he invited uh, more speculation about this Bannon situation on Saturday when he tweeted this. I love reading about all of these geniuses who were so instrumental in my election success. Problem is, most don't exist. He he cannot stand anyone else getting credit for his Mm -hmm. rise to the presidency. And that, I mean, I think it's especially true with Bannon because Bannon is given a lot of credit uh, and he doesn't want him to have any. No, and Bannon aligned pretty closely with Reince, apparently, um, inside the White House. uh, And, you know... It's a weird combination because yeah. obviously Reince is very establishment and, you know, very uh, friendly to that side. And where Bannon, you wouldn't think is. But I think Bannon's a survivor and he saw, yeah. he, you know, he needed to find some allies in there. Um, so, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's, that's where he's standing right now. He hates it when people take credit. Hates it. I mean, which I was, I was kind of surprised he was as pro-Scaramucci as he was and has not been critical of the guy because... You know, Scaramucci savaged him during the campaign. Yeah, savaged him during the campaign and then made a lot of this about him. I mean, really yeah. talked a lot about Yes, it. he did. I mean, he mentioned in the opening press conferences, he's mentioned his book several times, you know, Scaramucci's book. Yeah. Like, hey, I wrote a bestseller and, you know, like, you know, and he, he was self-deprecating about it. But um, still, it's, it's, a, it's interesting that he, that has not annoyed him. Because from what I see of Trump, usually when people come out and they say they did something, it's when they get jettisoned. I mean, Newt Gingrich, it's impossible for him to not give himself praise over anything. And you notice he's not in there. Giuliani's yeah. similar in a similar way. They, yes. they love to talk about themselves and the parts they've played in it. He doesn't want you to know that you have it. I mean, and that's where Bannon has been pretty good in that he has not taken that Karl Rove public facing. I'm the guy who did it. I'm the architect. He, is mm-hmm. not, he has not done that really at all, which is smart for his uh, survivability in that White House. Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, Scaramucci is quite an interesting uh, character because he ripped Bannon during a phone call with that writer, the New Yorker that we talked about last week. And, you know, he said some pretty interesting things. Um, I'm not Steve Bannon. I'm not trying to. Well, you, you, you stopped speaking. I suck my own. Okay, well, you got pretty much there, uh, uh, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I got right up <laughs> to the well, and, but I'm not going to drink. Uh-huh. Um, and then he's, I'm not trying to build my own brand off the effing strength of the president. I'm here to serve the country. Now, that sounds pretty self-aggrandizing, but it's also the kind of language Trump appreciates. He appreciates uh-huh. this kind of candor and this kind of, uh, you know, 
macho sort of, I'm, you know, vile kind of throwing it out there, being a little disgusting, a little bit obscene. Uh-huh. I think he likes that. Uh, and, and so that probably helps Scaramucci because he, uh, he's... He's going after his enemies. The word just was like, that he just li- like Trump does. Yeah, the word was he liked it. I don't know if that's true. I, I have my doubts. I bet he does. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it was a pretty negative news cycle, and then he's kind of disappeared. Now his kid just was born. Scaramucci's kid was uh, just born uh, to his wife, who's now filed for divorce against him. Oh wow, uh, which that's is right. A real, uh, it's a little ugly. Yeah, um, they're not. Uh, and, and, and she said she's divorcing him because she can't handle his naked uh, political ambition. Political ambition. Yeah. Is that what it was? It's not, uh, not positive. Wow. Um, so uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, one of the conservative uh, co- columnists, and the Times did this little uh, thing Jeffy was mentioning earlier, which had a little blurbs of different columnists from the left and the right um, from Bloomberg. Obscene language wasn't the worst thing about the interview. It wasn't even the worst four things about it. And this is from a conservative commentator. Many com- uh, columnists on the right have been focused on the potential repercussions from the profanity-laced interview uh, with White House Communications Director Anthony Scaramucci gave to the New Yorker's Ryan Lizza. Um, Mr. Panura res- um, explains why Mr. Scaramucci's rant should wor- worry supporters of the administration beyond the vulgar language. He points to Mr. Scaramucci's fixation on the leaking of the trivial gossip and seems w- seeming willingness to portray his colleagues, <laughs> saying this environment is likely to scare away potential talent to the White House as they need to attract uh, potential talent, obviously. Um, they, that is a big thing. Because this guy, I mean, mm. it's almost worse um, than, you know, just trashing other people. He came out and said he was going to use the FBI and the DOJ, and he had already done it to identify who the leakers were, which would be blatantly illegal if true, just no one believes him. Someone, uh, you know, pointed out today, it's probably a good idea that the media should do everything they can to figure out which one that is. Did he, did he break the law or was he just lying to the reporter? Yeah. Now, everyone, I think, is assuming he was just lying and talking a big game, but that probably should be sorted out. Because he, if he's actually using the DOJ and the FBI to get digital fingerprints of employees, uh, you know, not really for use of, of uh, government, uh, probably not a good idea. No. Um, yeah, so they also did feature uh, my uh, little story um, about uh, from Medium. Uh, I have no problem criticizing Trump. I do it all the time. But the failure of Obamacare repeal is mainly the fault of Congress. Mr. Bergier, who is head writer and producer of the Glenn Beck radio program, argues that failure to repeal the Affordable Care Act rests squarely on the shoulders of the Republican leaders who have perfect cover to pass conservative legislation. Not only will Mr. Trump sign anything Republicans put in front of him, he's provided legislators a week full of stories to distract the news media and public from criticizing the health care bill. It's one of the inadvertent benefits of having a tweeter in chief. <laughs> Which is, I think, true. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it, it would be nice if... if Congress really saw itself as a co-equal branch of government and said, hey, here's our opportunity. You know, who, what are the two things that we complain about all the time? We can't get it. We're going to get vetoed. And uh, the media is going to beat us up if we're too conservative. Mm-hmm. Both of those things are pretty much gone right now, or at least su- significantly limited in their, in their efforts. And why not take advantage of that? Pass something really strong. And you got a chance with, health, with, uh, with tax reform here. Pass something Really aggressive. Go, you want to go back? Go back to those early Paul Ryan plans uh, at, at the worst. Not the latest ones that are like, we will deduct 0.01% from one bracket tax cuts. I mean, go back to the really aggressive stuff. You, you might as well try it now. You've got an opportunity here. Let's give it a whirl. Uh, and, you know, that does not seem to be the focus of the, of the White House or the Congress right now. No, it's not. Sadly. No, it's not. Um, Kimberly Guilfoyle mm-hmm. uh, may have uh, gotten Ryan's previous fired. 
Why? seen that report? This is on TheBlaze.com. Uh, it's a website. You can go check it out and read it for yourself. But Ryan's Priebus is making the rounds on the talk shows after uh, White ha- uh, losing his gig. Um, in a report from the New York Times, a source revealed that the five co-hosts Kimberly Guilfoyle told Donald Trump that Priebus was the source of leaks from his administration. She reportedly told him during a dinner meeting Wednesday that was itself leaked to the press afterwards. That's the leak that caused Scaramucci to call Ryan Lizza, uh, which gave you the New, New Yorker story later this week. Mr. Guilfoyle told the president that Mr. And think about it. So uh, Guilfoyle gets a leak, reports to Trump that Reince is the leaker. Then that dinner gets leaked to Ryan Lizza. Then Scaramucci calls Ryan Lizza. That one gets published. And now her telling the president about the initial leak is now being leaked. Pretty strong so far. Yeah. Uh, she said, uh, Mr. Priebus was a problem and a leaker, someone who is not serving his agenda, according to a person briefed on the conversation. It's interesting, too, because she's after that job. That was the rumor. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, the, she, wanted, she wanted to be White House. Uh, it really wasn't even a rumor. She secretary. said it. Yeah, she, said she, she wanted it. the job. Mm-hmm. And, and Trump got pissed at her because she was talking about it uh, and she wasn't supposed to be. So that's why she doesn't. That's one of the reasons, I'm sure, she doesn't have the job. Uh, even though she got what she wanted, and that's uh, Sean Spicer out. He's out, but she's not in. So what are you going to do? Mm. What are you going to do? I mean, it, you could honestly do an entire show every day just on the palace intrigue crap. Yeah, you could. It really is. And yeah. I, I don't want to spend that much time on it. Obviously, the number one story today for us was Atomic Blonde. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I will say, overall, it's an, it is interesting to watch it happen. Because yeah, it is. There's so many warring factions in there. Yeah. And it is Game of Thrones-like or survival, Survivor-like where the, e, e, the alliances are taking out the others in an effort to, to gain power in what is real. It's not Survivor. It's not Game of Thrones. It's a real house that is the most powerful you know, government in the world. And uh, it's pretty incredible. It's incredible to see this happen but live. This is one of the reasons we didn't want him there, right? Because <laughs> we knew this kind of stuff would be going on. Hey, what? And it's, it's, it's I mean, it's, it's at least as screwed up as I thought it would be. Yes. I think we've had a couple conservative policies that I was not optimistic enough to really hope for. Um, right. You know, but, 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 the, but the administration... But the administration being screwed up is just as bad as I ever could have yeah. imagined. It really worse, yeah. probably, than I ever could have imagined. Because there was a part of me that thought he would just go establishment Republican and be boring. And not him, but, like, the, the, the behind-the-scenes stuff would be boring. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at the, the way Mike Pence has um, approached this, very, very boring. Mm-hmm. Not a word out of him. Not a word of criticism. No. Not a word of praise. I mean, the praise does flow a little bit, but it's very general... And, you know, he doesn't he's not causing any problems. You don't see him as a huge face of legislation. He's been quiet behind the scenes, working the machinery. Part of me thought it could go that way. Um, It's been much more crazy uh, than that. Definitely. Uh, But, you know, there have been a couple policy things that I think have been positive. Hi, it's Pat and Stu. I'm Pat, this is Stu. Over there is the thing oh. that crawled out of a swamp or something. I don't know. Where? We, where? <laughs> where? He does look like that. Yeah, um, right? 
Uh, I mean, oh. a really big thing that crawled out of a swamp. Oh, you were talking about me. Yeah, yeah. I was. Yeah. Oh. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you know so. uh, some people have noted uh, in the <laughs> so. past that you, we could have called you the other thing that people have noticed about you. And I think it's much worse. That you much look, worse than the thing be, that crawled out, out of the swamp? swamp? Yes, that you, uh, <laughs> that you resemble uh, Chris Christie. Oh, my. Which is much worse. Well, first and I, of all, that's that why pisses we me off. That's why we held okay. back on that. If you noticed the little video, of he's Chris not Christie, athletically he, overweight, is he? No, he is, is not he? athletically. No, overweight. he is not. Not even close to. Did being you see? Okay, overweight. we have that, right? Yeah, we have to show. Uh, that. We got to see that because he is. He had another little incident. This guy, yeah. I, he's going to kill somebody yeah, before he's, he's, he's got done. A real here. anger problem. He's got issues, man, and they're coming to the surface now. And I mean, like when he was on talk radio, I think he was on the fan. Is that where he was? Yeah. And uh, somebody called in. And he just, and they were, they were criticizing him. And he just went off on the guy, called him uh, a loser, called him, uh, what else did he call him? There, there was something else that he, he did call him something He else. called him a communist. He called him a loser. <laughs> he called him, I don't know, it was something like a dirtbag. It wasn't dirtbag, yeah. but it was something on, in that, along those lines. So then he's in Milwaukee, where his son works for the, for the uh, Brewers. Oh, okay. And uh, somebody yells at him as he's going up the stairs, probably to a luxury box. Probably like, hey, you look like Jeffy. And he got pissed <laughs> off. And <laughs> seriously, the guy deserved a beat down for that. We actually support Christie on this one. Uh, unfortunately, no way. He, didn't, he didn't say, he did not say something that incendiaries do. Okay. He just said, hey, Chris Christie, you suck. <laughs> That's, how does Chris Christie even disagree with that at this point? I don't know. He's got a 15% approval rating. Know. He obviously sucks. Okay, well, he was not going to a box, though. I mean, he was going coming back down, right? He had was left he? to go get, if you notice, <laughs> okay. in, his, in his anger, yeah, he's cupping the nachos he nicely. does not let go of the nachos. He's no. not losing it. Okay? <laughs> he didn't even have somebody else hold it for him. No, he went to get it himself. I was I'm surprised. I guess nobody can get it the right mix of cheese and nachos. Just him. He but, only knows the right mix. First watch, of all, I, do, I fully support his nachos at a game uh, habit, which has apparently happened multiple times. But, I mean, you got to eat nachos at a game. Oh, in his case, it's happened hundreds of thousands yes. of times. Yeah. I, I'm not going to criticize him. He was going no, walking back down right. to his seat. All okay. right, well, let's see it. Let's see Here, it. Here's what happened. <laughs> yeah, big shot. It's not that bad. I mean, he, no, he was. No, he was. That was it. just the very end of it. That he's was dumb the very to do it because really the picture, that picture of this of yes. him leaning over like a like yes. a, like he's a. It looks bag. bad. It looks pretty bad. Well, he face. is a douchebag. He, he got right in the guy's face and he's he's yelling at him. Uh, first of all, he said, and the, and the guy was kind of cool about it actually. He said he told me to have another beer, which I actually thought was kind of funny. That's what he said. Yeah. And then he, he got angrier, and he started calling him a big shot. No, uh, I don't know, other And then things. he realized he needed to go sit down and eat his nachos. Yeah, so he then left. he realized, okay, somebody is, is taping this, recording this right now, and this is going to look bad for me back in New Jersey, and I'm going to go from 15% support to about 8 uh, so he he gave it up and went back down the stairs. And yeah. you can tell that uh, not being athletically overweight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it like was a Chris struggle Christie for him to is, walk, that, yeah. Well, and also uh, the way he wears his pants. Uh, yes, it looks that good. Is, that, it looks good with a, it, it looks okay with a jacket around you. 
Well, but uh, with when you're not wearing a jacket, uh, does not look good. I gotta say, huge line of delineation between you and Chris Christie on this point. Your pants look like a normal human pants. Yes. His look like he's wearing them around his boobs. Yeah. Like I don't, and he might be. He might be. Yeah. He might be. <laughs> but that's uh, definitely a, a, yeah. A, a, it's a, a fat, fat guy, guy thing. Yes, it that's is a fat, fat guy, guy thing. thing. Well, it's a fat guy thing, and it's an old guy thing. You know, hiking your pants up to your chest is not. <laughs> Not a good it's look. not ideal. Not a good look. It's not ideal. You know All what right. else is not a good look is the old man that has the suspenders with sweatpants. Yeah, please don't that ever is do that. Not don't a ever good look. do that. No, please don't do that. And and black socks with shorts. Please don't ever do that either. Don't ever do the big no, long yes, black it. socks oh, long when you're wearing yeah, the long ones with, with the, <laughs> Not a good look. In sandals. Not good. Yeah, in sandals. <laughs> I saw an article the other day that said you should uh, th- that you should never wear flip flops anymore. Well, I never it. do. I never have. I never. I do not like flip flops. Yeah. I don't like them. And, and the point was, you know, obviously the beach or something, you could throw them on. But yeah. uh, don't, don't ever, don't wear them anymore. But not like to the grocery store. If yeah, you're a man, okay. you don't want to be wearing flip flops. Now that's a new. I, you know, that was. Right? It was okay. I think maybe five years ago, and now the, the fashion. It was okay for some. Had, I mean, Jeffy is fashion. Mm-hmm. As he's noted. Thank you, I am. Uh, you are fashion. <laughs> um, and uh, so when did this, when was the expiration date of the sandals? Well, thing? around the country a few years ago. But while you're in some beach areas, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a different, fun. that's yeah. kind of a changing thing. And also, um, there's, a, there's a, a, a fine line between the flip-flops where you have the, you have the toe it's just the separator, toe. Yep. Mm-hmm. which is not good. Uh, I, I can't do the toe thing. But mm-hmm. there is a delineation for men who wear just the, uh, the, you know, the slipper kind of flip flop. You know that where you, there's no toe gap. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know what they're. Sure, to I know. Sure, I know. They're saying, not okay. flip flops, but, but you don't wear those sandals. with socks there's either. Kind of, you do not wear those with socks. No, never wear with socks. No. no. Come on no, now. never wear those with socks. Except no. when I'm taking the garbage out at 11 p.m. <laughs> and they're the only shoes yes. around. Then yes. I wear. You know what? They're I quick could, on I, and off. I would take my. Door. I'd take my socks off and then put them. Even at 11 o'clock at night, I'm taking my Sometimes socks off. Sometimes it's cold. Yeah. Like when it's cold. No, and if like you have your socks December. on, it's too. I gotta go. I'm sadly. Uh-huh. I'm with you on this. If it's uh, look, I mean that's the least offensive thing I do at 11 o'clock. When I'm taking the garbage out. <laughs> you know, the guts hanging out. God only knows what's going on. Don't right. come by my house. It's awful. Right. I mean, right. you got the socks on. Good, good and safety then tip. They expect you to put shorts on. It's, it's you can't do that. Yeah, we got to go now. Uh, it's a more lot of bo- still no, I'm just saying. We gotta, we'll continue this. I think what you're saying later. is a lot of boxers look like shorts. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're walking right, out there and you're in boxers, they're not going to know from a distance whether you're wearing boxers or shorts, right? That's 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 how I think about it. As long as you don't have street like in your neighborhood, why not? Nobody will see it, right? I don't care. And even if you do have some, so I mean. what? Jeffy found and felt like sharing with us, so we don't have to talk anymore. anymore. Rest in peace, uh, actor, playwright Sam Shepard. Oh, yeah, that's sad. Died at the age of 73, and he was still working. I mean, I still enjoyed his work in Bloodline on Netflix. Uh, He was doing that. He had some other stuff. He was 73, and they say that he died of (laughs) complications from ALS. So if he was struggling with that. He had ALS? That's what they said. I mean, that's, and he was still working. Wow. It's It's a tough road. I, I, I can't. I mean, he, I've seen him in a lot of I things. Know. He doesn't look like he has a. No, I mean, ALS. Not. That's uh, what's his face has ALS. You know, a smart guy. Uh, Hawking. Stephen Hawking has oh, yeah. ALS. Uh, it's Lou Gehrig's disease. Yeah. I mean, you don't you don't walk usually or talk or. 
I mean, move complications related to. I mean, that can mean a lot of things. Maybe you I had mean, a Luke, mild did, version. Did you know, Pat? Know. Now that you now that you mentioned it, did you know that Lou Gehrig actually got his own? Yeah, disease? I know. And what are the odds? What are the odds? I mean, Lou Gehrig was, would get Lou Gehrig's disease. I know. I, I, one to one. One to one are the odds. No, I don't think no, so. Don't think not so. when there's not, billions I mean, of people on, on the planet Stuart, and the guy gets one. Lou Gehrig's disease no, when his not, name is Lou Gehrig. Come on now. No, he weird. didn't get Lou Gehrig's disease. Really, Lou really weird. They named it Lou Gehrig's <laughs> Unlike it's, it's Pat and Stu and uh, Jeffy, who uh, just found an interesting article. Oh. It's uh, completely false. We're happy to report. I wanted it to be true so bad. That uh, would have been an interesting don't, story. Don't stop the eating before you get into it, though. <laughs> I just want to make sure we're clear. <clears throat> yeah. Just took a bite. Yeah. I'm sorry. Strawberry yogurt bar. Good. I'm going to stop. Are you? Are you? I'm going to stop for you. We've just all discovered, by the way, in the break that. Uh, we're all, we've all hit the fatness wall. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Uh, it's come to that point. I, I'm thinking of, like, it's got to be reversed immediately or, or, or mm-hmm. I may die. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm actually on the verge of death. I've gained so much weight so fast. So now it's we're now into we're going to. Uh, you got plenty of weight to go, Stu. Don't worry about it. Oh, thanks, Jeffy. That's so sweet of you. Uh, you but, Jeffy, you've hit the wall. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Pat, this you've hit the wall. Just, I've hit the wall. I've hit the wall. Uh, so we're all, we all have different Sometime this week, uh, I'm going to stop. What? Sometime this week. <laughs> I'm going to stop. You're gonna. You're setting yeah, it by I, the week. Yes. Like during you gotta, this well, week. You, during this week. Sometimes you got to kind of pick it. You got to work up to it. Yeah. You set that. You know, there's always like Monday. I'll start. So right. and sometime this week I'll start. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. So uh, anytime. All you have to do is stop eating. Yeah. Well, right. I don't know about stop eating. That then what your body does oh. is it stores it. Uh, it, stores it. It stores it, just it stops eats away at yes, muscle instead of the fat. Yes, it does. And it stores it so you get fatter and it's mm-hmm. not good. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, that's, of course, what mm-hmm. it does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 100% is what fat people tell themselves that what it does. And I, I tell myself that as well. I mean, yes, there is a level of that. Like when you're in the Sahara Desert for mm-hmm. six weeks without a bite of food, at some point it does start to eat muscle. Don't worry about it for you. Okay. Not, don't worry about it for you. Yeah. And if somebody who's watching in the Sahara Desert right now go, oh, I don't have to worry about it, and they're going to die, and that's sad. But everyone else who's watching, don't worry about that for you. <laughs> you're saying the body doesn't immediately go no. after muscle. Is that what you're saying? Especially if you've gorged for a weekend and your first day out, you skip breakfast. They're not going to be like, oh, no, breakfast is the most important part of the day. You're Let me go right to his biceps. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how it works. Huh. That's interesting. Thank yeah. you, Stu. Uh, do, you have that, do you have that sourced? Yeah, yes, it- I do, actually. Uh, we can go over that if you wish. But uh, sorry, if you're in the Sahara Desert, just absolutely toss away all of that commentary. But other than that, it's not about you. <laughs> I promise. It's like the people are like, I, I go to the gym. I just don't want to get too bulky. I don't want to get too, I don't want to be a weightlifter. You know, I don't want to be, a, I don't want to be ripped like that. That's not about you. That's about somebody who You're works in out no like, danger. <laughs> None of us are in danger of that. No, but no. What if, I, if I go four times a week, I don't want to get huge and like look like a muscle head. That's not about you. What's, that's about when you go 12 to 15 times a week. If you're like, you know, I go every single day and I work out and, you know, I work out pretty hard. You're not going to get too big that you look like a muscle head. 
Yeah. That's not going to be your, the case. It's when you eat nine pounds of fish a day and go right. to the gym two hours uh, at a time, twice a day. Yeah. Like The Rock does. Right. Uh, when you go four hours a day to the gym and eat nine pounds of fish a day, that's when you become super muscly. I would love to get to a and, point uh, where like, I, I had that problem. Yeah, it's like, you too. know, what? I'm too muscular and my body fat is too low. And then imagine mm -hmm. the process to get back to the point you want to be. That like, wouldn't be hard. I just want to be like a good, like a normal person and not a blob. It's difficult yeah. to get back there. But, you know, people power through it. <laughs> you know, I would normally <laughs> criticize you for acting like an expert. But, I mean, you kind of are expert <laughs> in, in putting on weight. So... Thank you. I'd and I'm an expert this. exactly at that. <laughs> no, you never exactly really got to the first that. part of it. The first part of the equation is sort of left off. It's like, no, uh, it's, it's just... That was close. No, it's not. There's a story today about a woman who uh, uh, gave up bodybuilding and just decided to be happy with herself. Mm -hmm. And so they show her bodybuilding uh, and next to what she looks like now. And, and she said she was just a slave to the gym. Uh, and, you know, that's what it took to... You know, c continually weighing like the chicken she had and then all yeah. of Man, doing all fast. the workout and how hard it was. And then she just decided to be happy with her body. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> how did that work and out? And now she's happy. She's happier. So maybe we should take that into consideration. Well, <laughs> again, that's not about you. Okay? That story is not about you. Uh, no, but what if I just no, gave I up trying to look so great? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Let's, let's test it. I've tried it for 40 years. Let's give it another year. Uh, I, um, am I the only person? And this, is, uh, this is a bad thing to admit. I... I got, <laughs> fully admit this that it is not this is not a likable attribute of myself but i think there's a chance there's a couple of other people who are in the same boat is when i see those stories and like i was a bodybuilder and then i i stopped working out because i just wanted to be happy with myself and and now uh, here here i am and i think to myself you should go back to the bodybuilding <laughs> yeah like, you were yeah like i yeah you, you look better <laughs> you're probably healthy back there is that wrong to suggest i don't know I don't know. Usually the bodybuilding ones, though, are a little too extreme, and I, I agree on those usually. But mm -hmm. sometimes there's like, I've decided to just eat 95 hot dogs a day, and I'm big and beautiful. Nah, nah, you're not. <laughs> now, you should go back to the old way. Well, they keep putting, listen, they keep telling us it's okay, oh, right? Oh, boy. We can't fat shame people. I, we can't we make the deal. First of I all, mean, I totally I'm disagree talk about with us. that. Yes, I'm not talking about us. Mm -hmm. But, you know, even like uh, uh, a Project Runway. Right? There's 16 seasons. 16 years of this. That's Project incredible. Runway. That show's been up for That show's oh made a fortune of that. However, this year, this year, mm -hmm. uh, they're going to have uh, plus size models and plus size fashion. Oh, that's so great. Oh, wow. That's so watch great. The, watch the ratings go down 47%, yeah. and then society will be like, you bastards for mm -hmm. not watch, walking the, watching these overweight women. Yeah. I can tell you, that's what I say, I, in, in all seriousness, I think it's a big <laughs> part of the reason. At Klum, so. Yeah, well, there you go. I think it's a big part of the reason Lisa liked uh, Atomic Blonde. Because, you know, she liked, I think there's something about it that liked her. She looked great in every yeah. scene, mm -hmm. you know. And, and so it wasn't just the Although the she was beat up, right, and bleeding in a few scenes. <laughs> it's based yeah. on the, every scene. And okay. she bruised yeah. in real life really hard doing that movie, Pat. But she figured out how to fight so good, they changed some of the scenes. I saw that. Just for oh, her. really? 
That was a claim. I don't know whether that's ever true. I don't know. She was pretty convincing in it. it. You know, again, as far as female action heroes go, I mean, you know, she was pretty damn good. You could do worse. Yeah, I yeah, think she did an actually a really good job. And then we're back to Atomic Blonde yeah. somehow. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think that there's a, there's a real change that needs to happen uh, in, in, in my life. Uh, and, I, and I think also Jeffy's. Oh, there's and, no and certainly mine. And Pat's as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to go through this together, maybe. I don't know. Because, you know, this is, uh, it's ugly. Yeah. What, what's happening now on Literally. your television screen is hideous. <laughs> Literally. And we apologize for it. Uh, this is why a lot of people are going, well, this is why I freaking listen on Blades Radio. I don't want to see you guys. <laughs> right? Uh, so we understand mm-hmm. that, and thank you for doing that. And then that. all weekend, you know, all weekend for the last three or four days, uh, we got pictures of remembering, uh, restoring love. You know, it's been five years since restoring is love. Is it really? Dallas. And... Uh, Mm. Holy I crap. did not like those pictures. <laughs> I did not like those pictures at all. Well, I actually I went into a massive depression this weekend over those pictures. Yeah. <laughs> well, bad. let me let me massive dis- depression really because I I have another anecdote on that uh, on that general road I'd like what to give that? you. Then uh, I was watching. Um, I actually, if you go to uh, facebook.com uh, slash Stubergear uh, and figure out how to spell that, good luck. But go to my stupid Facebook page. Uh, and on there, I posted a picture of you as Hillary Clinton reading from oh, her, uh, which is an incredible acting performance, first of all. You. I mean, I, can't, I literally thought it was Hillary. I just turned it on. I was like, wow, that's <laughs> Hillary you. Clinton. How did she get to my Facebook page? Oh, no, that was Jeffy playing <laughs> Hillary Clinton. Uh, but there was, I would say, oh, don't even just there was a difference in the... Uh, was he smaller or girth? larger? Oh, yeah. um, it was uh, oh, considerably yeah. smaller, I would say. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Really? We're all, I, we're, luckily, oh, wow. we're all in that state right now. Yeah, I mean, it was considerably um, smaller. And that's not even... And Hillary isn't even restoring love. Have you <laughs> Have you uh, gained back the entire 100 pounds? No, no, but that doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Well, I mean, look, it's good that, you, you know, you're... I mean, if you if you kind of if you do an Al Gore thing and you just plot it from the very beginning to now, it looks like you're dropping. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we should all do: take our fattest point and uh-huh. plot it to right now. Look at I've lost like thirty yeah, some odd pounds. Yeah. That's Never great. Yeah. Just leave us alone. Yeah. We'll do the hockey stick with <laughs> Jeffy's weight loss <laughs> and gain. <laughs> oh, it's sad. It's not. It's not positive. I will no, say it's that. not. It's not a positive development. Um, well, I don't know where you want to go for actual news, because right today I kind of just feel like screwing <laughs> off and we've been. Yeah. Well, we can talk about an inconvenient uh, sequel, uh, which yeah, is speaking good. of Al Gore and the climate change nonsense. Uh, his his newest movie is apparently filled, as you would expect, with more dire warnings about the future of the planet. And if we don't if we don't do this immediately, we're all going to die. Uh, and. It's interesting because the last movie came out in 2006, and he said we only had 10 years to avoid complete disaster. Mm -hmm. Well, we're 11 years down the road, and there's no complete disaster. But he claims that's because we've taken certain steps, which everybody said would take a lot longer than this amount of time to kick into gear and do any good. Yeah, sometimes up to 100 years for some of these yeah. uh, gases in the, uh, in the atmosphere. And we've come nowhere near what they said had to happen in order to fix it. Oh, no. I nowhere mean, near. We haven't even reduced emissions, really. I mean, you know, the, the only thing that really helped to reduce emissions was the 2008. There's two things. The 2008 financial collapse. Mm-hmm. Helped a lot because when you have less money, less economic activity, you're going to have less shipping. You're going to have less power plants running. Like all of these things. Yeah, and you don't reduced. want that to happen. It's a terrible. It's it's a good in their mind. Good outcome from a terrible, um, 
uh, uh, reason. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's a bad consequence, um, but they like it. So uh, tell me if you want to be on that side of the argument, rooting for financial collapse. But the other part of it is uh, a real move away from coal, especially in the United States, um, to a, another fossil fuel which is uh, natural gas. That changeover has lowered emissions significantly because uh, natural gas burns cleaner than coal does, but it's still another fossil fuel. It's not like, you know, solar has taken over. Um, you know, there's a huge story today about Elon Musk has the new um, uh, Tesla 3 coming out um, very mm -hmm. soon. They, they Mass expect, production for yeah, the first time. Really, and, and this is, they're talking about 500, they have 500,000 Think about it. Think about having a business like this. You know, we've been talking about friction, talking about uh, tribal yeah. leadership, talking about all these books that Glenn has been uh, recommending that we read or demanding with the death penalty that we read. And uh, I mean, Tesla's a great example of loyalty. 500,000 people have given them $1,000 deposits on a car that has never been produced. Wow. Think about that for a second. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to sell 500,000 cars because a lot of people, I'm sure, bail when it's time to actually pay for the rest of the car and they can get their deposit back, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think a lot of other people will sell their spot in line because if you get a 500,000 person line, but think about how much money that is. I mean, you know, I'm no mathematician, but that's, that's, that's good eating. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. And plus, you get that money to hold on and you haven't done anything yet. You're just holding on to the money? It's just sitting there? It is way, oh, well, you know mm -hmm. what? At some future point in time, we'll deliver a car of some future to be determined quality. Yeah. But I guess someone drove it. Uh, Bloomberg, I think, drove it and said it was utterly fantastic. Not Mike Bloomberg, but the website. Uh, yeah, and they, uh, they're saying it goes about 200 and I think it's 220 miles on a the, charge. And that's the lower one. They, they, I think, announced for the first time today that they have a new higher capacity that goes to 310. Oh, really? 310 miles is a lot. And they say they can get you to uh, um, 30 minutes of charge is 170 miles with a supercharger or something, which is pretty good. I mean, that's yeah, pretty good. Again, you figure if you're going to. And it's supposedly going to cost 35000 right? So it's yep. a little more affordable. It's a lot more affordable, lot more affordable than the $130,000 version. And I think you can get one for about, what, between 70 and 100 I think the P65 60, or yeah, 60, 60 or whatever yeah. it is, mm -hmm. is, you know, maybe half the price. But then the P85, uh, which was the really good one, yep. is like 130000 Yeah, now they have a P100. Uh, P100. Oh, they do? Yeah. Zero to 60, they said in 2.3 seconds. Jeez. Oh, that is incredible. I, like, I can't even describe I mean, I don't know. People don't, if you don't obsess about zero to 60 times like maybe we do, you don't understand how fast that is. Like, that is like legitimately Bugatti. Like, yeah. it's, it's even faster. Yeah, and a Bugatti that. is two million, two and a half million yeah. dollars. It is. So that. to do that for 150000 or whatever this is going to cost is really is good. Incredible, but if you look at what the way they've scaled this, the first one came out was like 130, 140,000. Then they've got their lower model of this, the current um, uh, model S, right? Yeah. Is, uh, is you know 70, 80,000. You can get the cheapest one for. Then they have the the uh, the SUV, which was more like 60, 55, 60,000. And mm -hmm. now this one's down at 35,000. I mean, the the Bloomberg article was basically like we left with very little doubt that the age of electric cars is here. That's, wow. what, that's what they said. And, you know, wow. if you can produce a car, I mean, and even this $35,000 model is going zero to 60 in like five seconds. Uh, 5.6. 5.6. I mean, like yeah, you're, 5 .6 you're hardly is like moving. A normal, like, Mustang, <laughs> right? Like, what does a more normal yeah. Mustang mm -hmm. do? Five or six, I, probably, probably. Six, question, six seconds for like your, your run of the mill, like, stock Mustang. But mm -hmm. again, that's a car that's supposed to go fast. 
right? Like, you're, you know, it's a sports right. car you're buying. Yeah. Um, you know, for the average, like, Corolla, I mean, what, is it, what does Corolla do 0 to 60? You know, these cars, they, and that's just the basic one. Minute and, remember, and a half. Minute and a half. 0 to 60 uh, in 90, 90 seconds. Um, and they can, but they can upgrade the software to make it go even faster. So, I mean, that's totally that's off the crazy. It's got nothing to do with it's, the climate, by the way, because right. that electricity is coming from fossil fuels, uh, coal and natural gas largely, um, some petroleum as well, and then, of course, other things like nuclear, and then way down the line, solar. Uh, so, but, I mean, eventually I, th- I do think that stuff will come. It's just, you know, we're not, we're not quite there yet. But the, it's inching up. It's inching up. And Elon Musk doesn't seem to be claiming it's helping the environment. Yeah, Does I he? I mean, I don't hear a lot of that I think he him. is. No, I think he's claiming the. He doesn't seem to be acting as if there's real economic benefit, which yeah. I kind of respect him for. Yeah. I mean, I, we did a a, um, a monologue on on Wonderful World of Sue this season about the the Tesla solar roof. I think we aired it here too. And the solar roof, he basically yeah. came he, out and said, yes. "Look, it's not really going to work for you economically right now, especially if you have high property taxes or low energy costs. Like, it's not really going to work." Mm-hmm. I mean, I, for him to say that, that is is is. Yeah. I think at least he's being honest. Like, you know, if you're going to be an activist, and I've done things like this, you've done things like this, when there's something that you really care about, um, you know, like you would say most people aren't going to drive uh, halfway across or all the way across the, one of the largest states in the union to go see BYU play, right? But right. it's something you really care about, so you'll go to these ridiculous lengths to go yeah. see them. You know, I've done the same thing for uh, bands that I care about or, mm-hmm. um, you know, sporting events that I care about. You'll do those things because you really care. And this, the, you know, if you really care about the environment, you really care about that technology. I have friends who are. But I mean, you really have to, you have to believe like Al Gore does, I think, in order to put up with, okay, I've got to find a, a charging station everywhere along the way. Yeah. If, if, if a Tesla is your main vehicle and like, I'm, I'm going to go to the BYU game in Houston. So that's, it's a four hour drive. It's what, 300, maybe 250 miles from Dallas. Um, is it only is it only 250? Yeah, I guess so. And I'd have to plan my whole uh, drive around where I'm going to stop and and fill up on a supercharger. Well, if it's only 250, you might not. Two, because, 250, I might not. But to get there and back, I would have. Yes, to. you'd have to. You, but again, you could stop. If but I'm you, not going to do that. You're going to have to pick a hotel that has a charger, right? Yes. And you're going to have to park it there, and you're going yes. to you're going to have to charge it overnight. Um, and there is a supercharger on the way there, um, so you could stop. Probably more than one now. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I mean, that, you're that, right. It's, it, it is a different what you have to think about driving a little differently when you're doing anything above and beyond the ordinary. Mm-hmm. If you're, the ordinary, it's going to it's going to be completely fine for you going to work and back every day. And I, I know because yeah, you just plug it in at home. Yeah, you just plug it in at home at night. And it's actually going to be better because you're going to eliminate the gas trips. And it's also probably going to help you be less fat if you're like me. Because when I stop for gas, obviously they sell Cheetos there. What am I going to do? Gonna well, you have to buy them. They're going to go bad to. if I don't buy them and eat them. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're eventually going to get stale. It would be immoral. Unethical and immoral. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a clause in the Constitution that has to do with Cheetos and gas stations that I don't have to remind you about. It's mm-hmm. in the Good and Plenty Clause, if mm-hmm. you want to go look it up. Uh, but I the point is... stick to that Cheeto thing because there's a gas station not far from here that I've been going to that... Do you know, if you let your car run down to almost empty, mm-hmm. so you pull in the gas station, you get the tank ready to go, Put in the hose. Put mm-hmm. in the put in the put in the hose into the car. Mm-hmm. You can walk across to In and Out Burger, order, oh. come back, mm-hmm. poop, tank full, pull away. <laughs> 
So you've got you got burgers. Wow. Because I've thought of doing that before, but I've never attempted it. I have. I know exactly what gas station you're talking about. And uh, there have been times I've thought about. I wonder if I could just. And if there's there's usually that's really a really busy one, so you got to kind of go inside, which kind of makes the trip longer. But if there's mm. no traffic, you can walk up to the drive-through. Makes it faster. <laughs> you walk up to the right. drive. If there's no traffic. Anyway, I think what we were talking about was the climate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we're now finding out that many of these solutions that we've had over the years uh, don't actually help the environment at all. We have that and some real climate catastrophe sort of predictions that have not proven out uh, to be true. We can do those uh, coming up in, in just a second. I'm very worried about the climate, though, because you know what that can do? It can disrupt food chains. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can make you, uh, I mean, it can really destroy. What if it burns up every crop we have? What if the what if the sun burns up or the carbon the CO two I guess would be burning up the the crop. Well, the sun has nothing to do with it. Sun has nothing to do with as you know the weather on this planet. You almost violated a rule which was mentioning (laughs) the sun in the climate debate, (laughs) and that is not that is that is ridiculous to think that something ninety three million miles from us could affect our climate. (laughs) That's ridiculous. Silly. I mean, what are we science deniers here? It's all CO two. Hello and welcome. Uh, do you know that this, this is going to surprise you? Not all global warming predictions have uh, come to fruition. They, well, you can't name some of them. You can't name one. Yeah, I, <laughs> that I, might, well, let's start <clears throat> there. Come up with I don't know one, one okay. example of one prediction that wasn't perfect. <laughs> How about starting there? Thank you for that bold challenge. <laughs> yeah. How about, how about how about going through your mm-hmm. your vast troves of research okay. and come up with one claim <laughs> made one time All right. that did not come perfectly true. All right. That's the only thing I'm asking. <laughs> then you should be very content okay, after good. I tell you about the New York Times report. On February 20th, 1969, uh, Colonel Bert Burnt Balkan. Mm, love polar explorer and flyer circulated a paper among polar specialists proposing that the Arctic pack ice is thinning and that the ocean at the North Pole may become an open sea within a decade or two. A number of specialists believe that an ice-free Arctic Ocean would not freeze again. Mm. So they, they predicted in 1969 the entire North Pole was going to melt. <laughs> Oops! I guess it'd be oopsies. Uh, come on, that's 1969. He's yeah. got to go back, folks, to 1969 <laughs> to find an example of one global warming <laughs> prediction that didn't come true. 1969. Listen to this guy. Would you rather have a 2006 uh, Al Gore's prediction? We only have 10 years left to avoid total disaster. (laughs) In 2006, CBS News asked Gore a series of questions about global warming at the Sundance Film Festival, where Gore was promoting an inconvenient truth. Throughout the movie, Gore consistently gives the sense that unless something is done immediately, we're all doomed. But he often refrains from giving a specific timetable. However, uh, Gore had predicted that the point of no return would come within 10 years if greenhouse gas emissions weren't substantially reduced. And I have to believe that they've actually gone up since then. 
Uh, you got to believe. Even since 2006, he tries I think to make were... out like, well, they have been reduced, and that's why the prediction was was accurate. I believe they've been pr- reduced per capita, um, uh, and that's only because of uh, the two things I talked about, which was the. the the economic collapse, and then more recently, the natural gas conversion from coal. But of course, per capita doesn't mean anything. No, it doesn't. Not in this because context if, at all. If they've increased, they've increased. Uh, it doesn't yes. matter how many people there are. It's they've still increased, and so you haven't done what you said needed to be done. And it also doesn't include the incredible uh, increase in China. But I mean, come on, you don't. Even, Al Gore on some interview is off the top of his head. <laughs> come up with one example from a legitimate source this time. I want a legitimate source. New York Times, 1975, is that too long ago? Uh, Ice Age, new Ice Age on the way. 1975, New York Times. Okay, well, how about about this? How about this? Okay, you're calling all these people that mangled the Uh media and and political figures that mangle all the news. How about quoting a legitimate source uh, that works with actual scientists, a big, you know, uh, global uh, experts. United Nations? Perhaps. Uh, entire nations could be wiped off the face of the earth. They said that in 1989. <laughs> <laughs> well, there have been some. Yeah, who? It's 89. I mean, uh, I learned in the documentary, Atomic Blonde, <laughs> that uh, East and West Germany, now there's just Germany. <laughs> East Germany there. was completely wiped <laughs> out. Wiped, they're completely both. wiped from the face uh, of the it's earth. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so that one obviously stayed true. And then, uh, oh, oh gosh, the classic like Al Gore one. Yeah, he loves that one. Yeah, Cal- the Gil- snows of Kilimanjaro. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the final snows of Kilimanjaro. And of course, uh, that didn't come to fruition either. There's still snow on Kilimanjaro. What's good is that uh, not only do we have the movie actually be out next week, right? I mean, they released it this weekend so to mass release next I week. Think, I'm pretty sure it's next week. I think it is, yeah. Because uh, Wednesday of this week. Uh, we have the uh, MTV special. That's right, yes. It's going to be great. Uh, the uh, televised town hall, because uh, young people are one of the greatest reasons for hope that we can and will solve the climate crisis. Yeah, because they've been indoctrinated their entire time whoa, in whoa, public school. They've been what? They've been indoctrinated their entire <laughs> public school education. And so, yes, they're easy pickings for Al Gore. And so when he goes on MTV, they're going to lap up everything he you says. You bet you they are. They're going to lap it all up. It's, it's just unconscionable. Yeah, I mean, they, there's never a question, obviously. They never, no. they no. never go into depth. They don't challenge him. He, and he won't go anywhere where people challenge him. Um, because when he does, he, he's, he's destroyed. His yeah, arguments are destroyed. Yeah. I, I mean, um, what's his face? I, I saw him, I think he went on Chris uh, Wallace a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. And Chris Wallace asked him the 10-year question. So you yeah. said that we'd be mm-hmm. devastated in 10 years. We're not. And his excuse was, well, that's because we've reduced our emissions by... And <laughs> well, it's interesting. I, it's about, just a lie. So we've succeeded? Is, is kind yeah. of his point? Like, right. we've had too much success? And that's how you have to push him. So but we've succeeded. Then what are we doing here? Right, and that's the problem. He can't say we've he can't succeeded. Say because if he says we've succeeded, nobody goes to see his movie. Right. Uh, no one gives him more money. Um, so he has to say that, and so he tried to cut. But again, that's how he has there. it both ways. Yeah, every time. Every time. Yes, we've succeeded, but yes, doom is still on the way. I mean, come on. The, the, I mean, 
it's it's either too much snow or not enough snow, and they have it both ways. Both of them mean uh, climate change, global warming. Uh, it's it's aggravating. And so this MTV special, he's going to be on it. Is yeah. he on it? And yes, and kids is. are asking him questions. Yep. It'll be, it'll be beautiful. You know that's going to be agonizing. <laughs> I hope someone asks him the question about, you know, your entire incredible lie about how you said you predicted this flood and you actually didn't. No uh, can will. you address that? No one will. That oh one's, it's one gosh. of the most disingenuous things I've ever seen out of any public figure. And you've covered that really well on, on uh, Wonderful World of Stew, where you point out the... You're talking about the Manhattan flood? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to put that yeah. up. We, maybe we, that's worth a re-air sometime this it week. It is. Um, we can do that uh, this week. I'll I put mean, it on my Facebook page, too. The show's canceled now, so we might as well just play the bits from it, right? No, it's not canceled. It's still... It's still <laughs> it's it's just the season's over. When you're not... Oh. The season ended a few weeks ago, and oh. we're preparing for the next one. You know? Uh, unless you know something. Do you know I, something I, I that uh, Stu doesn't know? No? Okay. Oh, guess we're still on. All right. That's a weird way of handling that. Uh, so there you go. Triple eight seven twenty seven Beck is the uh, is the number. Um, we're going to give you one more thing here. This is uh, this is probably a, it's from the View, and it's probably a lot worse than in, than anything that could happen with the climate. Um, That's probably true. You know, really, if you if you could cure uh, cleanse the co- uh, climate any crisis by playing this particular segment over and over again, I would choose to let the climate die. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, that's how bad it is. Here's Joe B- Joy Behar trying to be funny. Oh, man. Oh, good golly. Joy, She's a comedian. as you know, I'm way too busy to watch TV. And, oh, by the way, tell Sarah good luck with her pregnancy and tell Jedediah it's on her engagement. Uh-huh, uh-huh. No TV, huh? No. You know, you really need to get back on The View, Donald. Face it. You're polling lower than the Zika virus. I know, I know. I'll do anything, Joy. Anything? Anything. Anything, really? Okay. Get me that dossier. Fake news, Behar. And besides, good luck getting it from Putin. For the good of the country, I'll get you back on the show. Oh All you gosh. have to do is sign this standard release form. Go ahead, right there. Tremendous. There you go. Okay, the producers will be in touch with you. <laughs> this is a letter of resignation. Does this mean I can't be on Guy Day Friday? Oh my gosh. Wow. Now, is that the guy that we had on? I think it is. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, it's not his fault. He was funny. He, he should was out with us. not have been a part of that. No. Holy I guess you take the gigs so when you're a Trump impersonator. You take them. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, man. So bad. Like, she is terrible. Um, I mean, she, like, the well, cat skill. I mean, like, she's, like, not even cat skill level. How no, she's not. still on this stupid national show is inexplicable. Uh, well, originally she left, right, because she wanted to work on her comedy. Uh, oh, that's right. right? Yeah. Why is that's, she still there? Apparently, it didn't go well, uh, so they brought her back. <laughs> I mean, the view must be really desperate if they're bringing her back. No question. You know, I mean, her and Whoopi. I mean, I've watched a couple clips of interviews with those two men, and whew, that's a that's. I can't believe that show. I mean, they pack them in. <clears throat> no, they don't. They, Do they? Do you, what's what's the evidence of that? I mean, what's the evidence of them packing them in? Uh, the live the, audience. Well, yeah, they have a good, in the middle of New York City, they can fill an audience of 40 people, yes. I'm talking about the, <laughs> the, the ratings. Oh, I don't know about the ratings. I don't, I don't think they're that strong anymore. They've made a lot of changes over the years. There was a time where they were really, I mean, a big part of the national conversation. Yeah, they were. When Elizabeth Hasselbeck was on there, oh, yeah. and it, particularly when Rosie was yeah, on there, and they would fight every news. day. Yeah. I mean, that Not was, anymore. Uh, yeah. Man, when's yeah. the last time you saw, that's the first clip I've seen of The View in how many years? And the only reason we're showing it is because it's so, <laughs> so bad. bad. <laughs> More Pat and Stu coming up in a minute. Wow.
Whew. Oh, so uncomfortable. Nice. Awkward. We get yeah. to eat. Oh, okay. Good. And, and luckily, because as we were explaining, we're on diets. We will <laughs> take a little sample. Bites. Well, sometime this week. Oh, yeah, sometime that's right. Week. Is this? Yeah. I mean, this is the only day this week. <laughs> Great voice work, Jeffy, as usual. <laughs> Thank uh, you. By the way, you're available for voice work, right? People can book you uh, for, for you to grunt and utter various phrases. I mean, you say them. that like that's an insult, but yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't. I think that I would pay for that. I mean, we didn't pay you for that, um, but we would. I'd pay for We'd it. pay somebody for it, just yeah, not him. Not, not you. Right? Not one of your representatives. This is unfair. Today we have a uh, product. This is a, a Philly uh, tradition, I would say. Um, tasty cakes. Uh, now, yes. tasty cakes are uh, pretty delicious. Uh, now, this is a new kind of ca- tasty cake. Um, in, uh, calling uh, they're calling it the coffee cake cupcakes minis. Hmm. Now, my assumption right. here is going to be this tastes just like the normal coffee cakes, except they're you a little would, smaller. Yeah, they're tasty cakes. And look, if you can get the ones that are made back east, <clears throat> uh, some of the production houses uh, make them uh, closer to the middle of the country. Uh-huh. But uh, I have someone uh, close to me that spends uh, some of my salary, Ooh, which, isn't, which isn't much, by the way. Uh-huh. Spends mm-hmm. about 50 cents out of the dollar I make uh, mm-hmm. having uh, Tasty Cakes uh, shipped mm-hmm. uh, ah, from yes. back east. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm well aware of the mm-hmm. Tasty Cake uh, Philadelphia tradition. These are good. Yeah, there's your, there's your mix-up there. You gotta, I will say, for a mini coffee cake, the big risk is going to be how are you going to get, uh, how much cream are you going to get in there? And they did, it looks like they did a pretty good job here. There's some cream in there, and then you got this, uh, uh, looks like brown sugar stuff on top. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Crumb cake topping. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm. Soft, moist. Mm-hmm. Good. Fresh. Well, chemical fresh. Chemical fresh. But delicious. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh. I can, now there's not a ton of the um, little sugary uh, crumb co- top, uh, co- mm-hmm. topping here, which I would, I would like a little bit more. Um, cake is very delicious. The the uh, cream is less creamy and more sugary, which is something uh, you know a little bit different is maybe it? than some cream. Uh, I'm not terribly cookies. familiar with these, but but I'm just saying generally like speaking with coffee cake. I'm a big coffee. Are you a coffee cake fan? I do love oh, my coffee cake. I love cake. coffee cake. Yeah, mm-hmm. and not only the good thing mm-hmm. about a lot of coffee cakes, especially this one, you can have it mm-hmm. with coffee or, or milk. Oh, you're an idiot. Moron. I hate you. <laughs> Moron. I'll say though, overall, solid mm-hmm. product and has one of my favorite features. That's really good. Put a little close up here. Right here. See? See the residue? Mm-hmm. You gotta love the uh, packaged cake residue right here. <laughs> gotta pull that off. There you go, baby. Mm. Mm-hmm. One of the best parts. Come on. Uh, I would give these, uh, I'll give them a 14. I'm gonna give them a 15. Jeffy? Mm. Jeffy? That sounds good. 1 to 18. That sounds Delicious. good. 14 you or 15? Yeah, that's what you guys said. No, I know. When Jeffy walks, his pants create an incredible amount of friction, and there, there he is. Uh, now you're eating oh, that, and that, there's why. He, what do you got? Five there at once? Jeez. Jeff Rosenblum uh, actually did the book called Friction. And look in the audience. For wa- where's Waldo here? You look yeah. for the three fat guys sitting next to each other. <laughs> Watch. Um, an amazing fact that is in the book: ninety uh, percent of all the data that has has been collected, has been collected 
in the last two years. That's a staggering uh, stat. Yeah. I have never done research in my life. We have had problems because of contracts and everything else that we couldn't gather data on the audience. So we were just like, like mm -hmm. that. Um, uh, how, how do you sort through as much data? I mean, you can get data and read it a million different, ra a million different ways. Mm -hmm. how, how do you get data um, and, and uh, make sure it's really pointing north? Yeah, so I, I love that question because I love data and I hate data. <laughs> and I think what you're alluding to is you can find absolute paralysis by yeah. analysis. Right. So I, I'm old enough to predate the internet. So I got my first job. Literally, I opened the yellow pages, went to M for marketing, and just called a bunch of companies till finally somebody hired me. And it turned out to be a market research company. Had this crazy idea to pivot research from the traditional telephone and mail world to the internet world, <laughs> right? So on this like zit faced kid that barely graduated college, next thing you know, I've got Microsoft, Netscape, Sun Microsystems, Walt Disney, Levi Strauss. They're all my clients, right? And I'm making all of this research, I'm collecting all this data, and then I just looked and like I'd visit a client and be like, dude, I gave you that report two months ago and it's still on your desk collecting dust. Like nobody really cares about all of that data. Or I'd find something that says 68% feel this way. Like, what does that mean? Is that positive or is that negative? It's very rare that data is like 97% and it's pretty clear, right? So you have to listen to the data. You have to find the common themes in the data. You need to find folks on the team who are willing to pour over that data because it takes a different mindset. You have to slow down for hours and are good storytellers to get us to listen because people don't want to listen to data. But the other thing that you absolutely have to do is trust your gut instinct, right? There's things within you that you're passionate about that are important to you. And that's the foundation of what this is all about, is making sure that it stays true to that. And then the data just augments. It'll help you figure out, okay, how do we take that message? How long should the individual stories be? How should we distribute it? But at the end of the day, what's core to this brand is what's inside. So when you are doing something, you're going to need data research, obviously, to be able to see if there's a hole in the market and verify it, especially unless you're just starting something small. Yeah. Um, but um, you're going to need that data. But you, 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 if, for, if you're for a real chance of being a passion brand, it has to start inside of one or a few people where they're like, no, this is what I believe. This is where I'm headed. I believe this. Mm -hmm. And then you find the data to support that. Is that or can you just go out and just eh, data says this? And can that ever become a passion brand if there's no one? that is really just, no, we stand for this? Or do you just become Ajax? I think that is the key ingredient to becoming a passion brand, is feeling it and in, in not wavering in that, right? I highly doubt the folks who started Amazon, Uber, Netflix, et cetera, all started with data. It all right. started with this gut instinct. So can, so can a Procter & Gamble ever make a passion brand? They could. But it's going to be hard because it's a very big machine filled with people who go to college, then they go to grad school, then they go to brand management school within P&G, within Clorox. So they can get their wins and they do get their wins, and, but it's going to be really hard for them to create a passion brand because it's typically started by people who have a fresh idea and a fresh perspective. Um, Lori, where are you? Lori, Lori writes for um, uh, Glebeck.com and... 
helps uh, in a lot of ways with the audience that reads and uses Glenbeck.com. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Lori. First of all, thanks for coming to our company book discussion today. It was great to have you there. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I yeah, appreciate absolutely. It. One of the things we've been trying to do is identify key takeaways from the book. So we know what friction is. We know how to remove friction. What's the benefit of that? What's the outcome of removing friction? I think the most important outcome of removing friction is not just simply that we shift prospects to customers, but more importantly that we shift customers to evangelists. These are the folks that can carry the brand message forward more effectively than any form of paid advertising, right? These are the folks who are at the bar, at the restaurant, they're around the campfire, they got the t-shirts, they've got the hats, they're up on social media, and they're recommending brands, they're actively proselytizing. And I'm not talking about, we talked about this earlier, not the paid influencers, right? That's a channel, it's just a new form of paid advertising, and that's fine, but I'm talking about the true influencers, the true fans, and to do that, you have to improve their lives one small step at a time. Nobody's gonna actively evangelize because you entertain them, because you do something that looks cool. You have to improve their lives, and that's what fighting friction is all about. So, go, go ahead, I'm sorry, turn on our mic, please. Give Lori's mic in. That's the outward effect, but there's an inward effect, too, to the company, kind of a trickle down. It benefits all of us. It's, I guess what I'm trying to get at is sort of like, what's, what's in it for me? Like, why is it worth doing this? Why is it worth um, reducing friction, removing friction from the company internally? So oh. let me let me rephrase yeah. this. Uh, last was it last week? Two weeks ago, um, we put up. We have a we, we love chalkboards here. Yeah, a huge chalkboard in the think tank. I think you saw it last mm -hmm. night. Yep. It says friction. Yep. And uh, basically, I asked everybody in the building go in and put down your points of friction, so the leadership can come in because I think good leaders they're not managers. They're the way the lead, they eat last. Mm -hmm. Their job is to take away the problems of these guys so they can do it. So I'm trying to grow the company from the ground up instead mm -hmm. of top down. Yep. And just like on the outside, I want to make sure that we get to our customers so they become evangelists. I got to get the people on the inside to believe it as much as I do. And I need to be a servant of them first. Mm -hmm. And then they'll believe it, and I know this group will come up with better ideas than I could come yep. up with. But what we, what we found was, as we were first putting these up, is people were, they were talking about the company and the things that the company does that, you know, was friction on the outside for the customer or, um, you know, or I'm trying to think of anything, you know, non-specific enough that I could use, but they just weren't, I was looking more for, what stops you, slows you down, gets in your way? Mm -hmm. um, can you kind of explain that internally on how to find that as a manager and have the people find yeah. the friction first in companies, mm -hmm. getting rid of it and why? Why that will matter to them? Yeah, so great question. We'll start with the why of it, which is twofold. One, it's frustrating. Friction is frustrating, right? We talk about micro friction and, and you can't open packaging and, and you can't figure out uh, a mobile website. It's frustrating. And, and sometimes it's, it's downright damaging, right? Just people holding you back from succeeding in life. But you're talking about internal friction. And it's the same thing internally, right? We sleep ballpark eight hours a day. We're in the office ballpark eight hours a day, right? So we're spending a lot more time in the office than awake anywhere else. 
So if there's frustration internally, it's going to impact our overall happiness. And then it impacts our performance, because there's a lot of studies that show if you're happy at work, you're going to perform better at work. And then you get into the virtuous cycle, because both internally, if you're performing better, or if you're removing friction externally, that is the proven mechanism to build a passion brand. Next thing you know, you're growing as a business, you're driving revenue, and everybody gets what they want, which is the raises, the promotions, the new opportunities, right? So that's what it's all about in terms of why. Now, in terms of how, I think you're down a great path, right? It starts with listening, and I saw the board, and there's a lot in there. Now, the next thing is how do we take it and find some common themes so there's less on the wall, or can we just find little things that we can pick off in the short term? If you think about a quadrant, like a little bit of help versus a lot of help. A little expensive versus very expensive. If we can find the stuff that's not very expensive, not very time consuming, and has a lot of help, pick them off quickly. Yeah. It's amazing how quickly we can yes. do those types of things. And then from there, you said something really interesting. Leadership versus management, right? Then once you have this small basket of things, how do we manage our way through it? Because there's a fundamental difference between leaders and managers. I may be one of the worst managers you'll ever meet. I get super excited about ideas, and then the new shiny object comes along, I get totally distracted. And Nobody I'm, here can relate to that at all. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm totally lost. So what I've learned is to figure out that that's my weakness, and I tried and I tried and I tried and I tried, and I could not overcome that weakness, so I've got other people that will make sure that we don't get lost by the new shiny objects that I see that try to keep us on. And then you got to be patient because it doesn't happen overnight, right? We've gone pivot through pivots at our own agency, uh, fairly similar in size to your organization. And I would say the most recent pivot probably took a full two years. It probably took us a year to realize we needed to pivot and then 12 to 18 months to actually complete the pivot. And you have to pivot because technology is changing the audience and changing the, the landscape so rapidly that if you're not constantly ready to pivot in some way, shape, or form, you can get caught behind the curve.